come before your throne of grace. Let us find mercy. Let us find grace to help us in our time of need. And Lord, there is never a time that we don't need you. And we thank you, Lord, that you answer our cry speedily. It's nothing for you to help, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for helping us speedily before we call you answer. While we are yet speaking, you've drawn near already. And so we thank you for your rapid response to us, Lord. And we thank you for your full response to us, Lord. And we bless you and we thank you. There is no waiting line in heaven. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen again. Amen. So yesterday we began talking about the mystery of faith. In 1 Timothy uh, 3.9 it says, Holding fast the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. That's a mouthful because really the faith that God gives us makes us not ashamed. It, there's no, um, what I call baggage, no collateral junk attached to the faith of God. There's no ever misgiving, uh, using the faith of God. Think about the things that, that you've done outside of God. And, and then when you find, found out it didn't work, then you felt bad. But when you hold fast the mystery of faith, you have a pure conscience. See, when you understand that, that what you're doing, you did because of you believing God, you have a pure conscience. Sometimes things that we do believing God don't turn out either the way we thought, the way we wanted, or the way other people expect that they should turn out. But you never have a guilt hangover for it. Because you knew, you know you used the best faith you had then at the time you were using it. And yeah, our faith grows after a while. And yeah, it gets better. And, and that's a good thing. But there's something about walking by faith that even though you can look back and you can say, boy, I wish I knew back then that was, yeah, what I know now and, and how to work that and it would have worked out better. But you could just shrug it off and say, well, thank God I know now. See, it's, it's better now. Amen. So that's a pure conscience. You don't beat yourself up because of what you did by faith that you have a greater faith now. You, you know, because it, see, when God says he works everything out for the good, he's getting your conscience to feel good about you know, your past in him. Amen. The things that you, you did, you know, it's like, well, I made that decision in, and if I had, had known that I could have tried harder with my faith, or maybe I could have studied more, or maybe I could have did this or done that, it would have been better. But you don't feel like you did anything wrong if you use the faith that was available to you, you know, just like Peter walking on water and then he started to sink. He used the faith that he had. And I don't see where, you know, Jesus just asked him, well, what made you doubt? In other words, he was giving him encouragement. See, that if you if you could just, just correct that thing that caused you to doubt, you would have walked all the way over here to, to where I am. See what I'm saying? And so that's that's what I like about God and about his faith. You don't have to sit up and have a bunch of regrets and misgivings. 
living for God and living in his kingdom. It is what he is. it is. He makes it all work together for good. Had you stepped out and done what you what you later found out should have been done at that time, it would have been sin for you because what's not a faith is sin. So you just use the amount of faith you have, the best way you have to use it, and you keep going from there. Amen. And so, it, and it's a good thing that's true because then we can have a life of faith where we can trust the faith of God. Think if you felt bad about everything you did using the faith of God to the best of your ability. You'd be reluctant to step out in faith again. You got it? So there's something about this faith that we operate in that gives us a pure conscience, that gives us confidence to get up and use faith again, and use it again, and use it again and again and again. It's like when you step out to make a purchase, uh, <clears throat> there's some of you who are going into new areas of endeavor and, and needing to, you know, get some money straightened up and get it, uh, in, in your possession, you know, and, and, uh, you know, uh, seeking where your financing is and all that kind of stuff. And the first door you knock on seems to be a no door. Well, if you use faith to, to walk through that door, that faith left you with a pure conscience about you didn't mess it up. You didn't miss God. You didn't, I don't care what your mind is telling you and what the devil is telling you. The devil's telling you he wants you to quit. And we all know that. But see, at some point, all of that negative beating yourself up and criticizing yourself and thinking, yeah, well, maybe I miss God. Maybe he didn't tell me to do this. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this, after the, the dust settles, when that debris clears out the way, you wind up with a pure conscience and you say, no, wait a minute, devil. I'm going to get up and try this again because God told me to do this and my money's out there and I'm going to go get it and I'm going to get it now. And the only thing you need to repent of is is putting your faith in neutral while you listen to the devil beat you up. Huh? Because we all know the first door you knock on seldom is the, the you know, the answer. We know he's going to fight us tooth and nail for everything that God tells us to do. And so he's just following his familiar pattern, seeing if he can talk us out of the blessing that God has in store for us. Amen. But see, the fact that you hold faith with a pure conscience as everything, because that keeps you getting up the next day and doing it all over again. That keeps you knocking on doors of opportunity until they open. See, it's the pure conscience. It's not just your raw faith that keeps getting up, because that faith can be hindered and stymied and stifled by a lot of different things. And mainly doubt and unbelief. See, our biggest hindrance to our faith, we carry it around with us. And that's this big head we got. That's ready to entertain every negative thought and every impossibility. Your mind can think of suppose this, suppose that, suppose this, suppose that. Well, suppose God's on the other side of that next door you knock on. And he snatches you in there and says, what took you so long to get here? Huh? 
But see, the it's the pure conscience that keeps us going back doing it again. <laughs> so many times, you know, you make mistakes. And that's why the blood is there. See, the blood is what purifies your conscience. If you do things presumptuously, you know, you did it against the will of God, and at the time you told yourself you didn't care. Now, we've all been there. You know, we think this is our last opportunity to do this, and we're going to do it anyway. You know, there's no peace about it, just charging through life. And then you get to a place where you you do settle down, and you say, God, you know what? That wasn't you, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, it might take you a little bit to forgive yourself and quit thinking stupid, but the pure conscience then comes to you again where you know you're forgiven. You know, anybody in your shoes would probably do the same crazy stuff. I just say that. I don't know that. Not that it makes you feel any better. You understand what I'm saying? You have worked that out personally between you and God. But you can work it out. Because of the blood. And because it that is our cleansing. That is our redemption. That is our righteousness. And that's why you can go through life with a pure conscience. Having messed stuff up. Blown stuff and everything. You know, upside down and all kind of crazy stuff. I remember Oral Roberts building the city of faith. And there were so many people that criticized him. Well, you know, people who are forerunners, just think about this. You're in a large ship, and a forerunner is a little ship they send out ahead of you. Who's going to get in there in case there's an iceberg or in case there's sharks or in case there's troubled waters up ahead? Who's going to get in there? The crazy forerunners. The people who don't care what you think. The people who just have a vision for getting it done. The people who have a burning in their heart for God to move and they're desperate for a move of God. That's a forerunner. That's Oral Roberts. Amen? He was from that that uh, culture where people, you know, people always say about Native American, different Indian tribes, they would call them stoic, immovable, like stones. See what I'm saying? And and there's a stoicism that that is embedded in people who have to go out ahead of others. You understand what I'm saying? To do, they're adamant. They can't be moved. Once they get something inside of them, they you can beat them, you can slap them, you can pull the hair out, be pull the beard out. They you, they don't care what you do. They ain't moving, and you can't move them. And and so he had that personality. He was a very loving and compassionate man. But when God told him to do something, you better get out of his way. You understand what I'm saying? You you. you Huh? And he was criticized for it. Why? Because of the power behind that, that gifting. Somebody's got to go out first. Just to prove it can be done. Then when it's safe, everybody else comes. Everybody, we ready to have a party now. Oh, look what we doing over here. Yeah, but you wouldn't be there if it weren't for the forerunner that goes out before you. Amen? See, we had to get used to that in this ministry and not get prideful about it because you would sit here and we'd sit here and pray prayers and all of a sudden everybody's saying that 
You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and that's our job as prophetic people to declare it in the atmosphere, cause heaven and earth to record it. Once heaven and earth records it, somebody else can read it and run with it. See? But see, you got to know, you got to prove to them that it's safe for them to say it. And once they hear it in faith, then it sounds good to them. Everybody says it. See? Like when we were first starting this ministry, we were prophetic people, but you didn't tell anybody. You got stoned everywhere you went. You you know, you just want to go to church on Sunday to worship, and they ran you out of there. You couldn't even be a part of many congregations. Why? Because of what you carried. Amen? So you sometimes you have to learn how to be your own company. See? See, the company of prophets, they hung together. You ain't see them turning on each other real easy. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, where do we go? <laughs> Amen? If you, if you, you know, if you kind of fell out with somebody or needed more space, you just asked the senior prophet to enlarge your place and he enlarged it, but you didn't go off on your own. You didn't see him doing that. Amen. Would have been suicide. So brother old Roberts started telling people God was a good God. He got persecuted for it. When he built the city of faith, almost everybody criticized him. Well, you're a healing minister. Why are you building a hospital? Because that's where y'all go. <laughs> he wasn't building it for him. He's building it for them. Everything he did was for somebody else. When he got tested in, in his health, he had to go within to the Holy Ghost and, and dig for what was for him so he'd get better. He said one time he was so sick, he, he was, I don't know if he was unconscious for a while or something, but he said he woke up to hear his spirit man praying in the Holy Ghost on the inside of him. He was too weak to even move his mouth. Got me? So he had to rely on the resources God put at his disposal, even for his own well-being. Amen? But he was so heavily criticized about the city of faith and then when it folded it was like everybody was happy false prophecy always prophesies somebody's doom you got me false prophecy is always merciless it always comes from below the wisdom that is from below is earthy devilish amen (laughs) full of bad fruit so when it did finally close. He took a while before he answered people because he had to talk to God about it. And all those millions that it cost, God told him, he said, money's not important to me. Huh? I rebuke thee. That's what he told him. He said, oral people are beating you up because they say you wasted all that money. He said, do you know money's not important to me? Okay. I think I'm going to write this down. Because it's sounding good already. He said, I'm more interested in ideas and concepts and revelations. He said, and I wanted people 
to get out of condemnation because they had to consult doctors. Because you'll never get your healing if you're condemned if you let a, a pill condemn you. Amen. Or you let an EKG or a, a, a you know a, a test or a surgical procedure condemn you. You you won't walk in the health God wants you to. And God said, and no, I don't want my people to stop there. I don't want them to be content with natural means. I have supernatural healing for them. He said, but I wanted to demonstrate that it's okay to mix the two, but always stand on my word. Always put my word first because there will come a time when the natural means won't help them. And so I want them to get out of condemnation about that, but I don't want them dependent on natural means for their health. Always meditate on the word. Always be in in process of of getting rid of things, natural crutches that we lean on. Amen. All, everything. And so that was a revelation to him. You would have thought that message would have spread like wildfire, but it didn't. What they spread was the negative. It closed down. All that money's wasted. No, he gave, let me think. He gave the medical school to Bensonita Hosa. All of the, all of the books, all of the everything, the resources, millions of dollars in resources was, was sent over to Nigeria. Amen. Uh, Ida Hosa was always there to take everything nobody wanted. Give it to me. We can use it there. Give it to me. And he saw himself as, as a brother to all of the Christians worldwide. So he, he would go anywhere and, and receive an offering, go anywhere, receive gifts for his ministry. Cause he figured we were family. We we're supposed to share everything. <laughs> Amen. So I think at one, one time they closed up the law school there. I'm not sure about that. He gave the law school to Pat Robertson. That's how Regent University got their law, law library. So it wasn't like he didn't know what he was doing. But as a forerunner, you may have to, I don't know why I'm over here with this, but you may have to begin some things that look like failure. Because the world won't understand everything that you're doing. But you and your heart know that it's God. In your heart, you understand that God told you to do that. And you have confidence that you're in the will of God. And if the natural never sanctions what you do, and if the natural never agrees with what you do or or approves of what you do, you have to do the will of God. It's more about what he's telling you on the inside than what it looks like on the outside. Amen? Because the outside will conform and catch up. Trust me. But somebody's got to run ahead and do these things and speak these things in faith and guard over them and watch over them so that the rest of the body of Christ can get the benefit of it. Amen. And so there are people like that with that kind of faith in the earth that everything they do gets criticized. Everything that they do, that's the mystery of faith. But see, they keep going because they have a pure conscience. They care less what everybody else is thinking. They got to please him and they got to have peace in here. 
And so that's what you have to live by. If you're going to be a person who walks by faith, if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to have to go by the inner witness, the inner conviction, the pure conscience. You're going to have to hold on to that and not let go of it. And when you get over into those areas where your conscience is is messed up and you know you did something wrong, you got to learn how to repent. You got to learn how to, to to get yourself the blood blood cleansing that's going to give you a pure conscience again. Because if your conscience is is in your way, it's like wearing cement shoes and trying to serve God. A bad conscience. You just never are sure. You never and you resent doing it it's horrible so you got to learn how to maintain your temple and i ain't talking about skinny either because i know you can never be too rich or too thin as they say which is a whole nother conversation but <laughs> praise god so anyway holding faith in a pure, the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. So we're talking about the mystery. Talking about the fact that it does, <clears throat> it's a mystery because it works in the unseen realm. But it's perceptible. So people who are in faith can perceive faith. And people who are in the spirit, it, it, when you're in the spirit, you're in faith. You're just not floating. You, there's some faith there that you are living by. And so once you are in the spirit of faith, then you, you are a good, um, judge of the faith that's in the hearts of other people. See, you can tell if somebody else is in faith. Amen. Um, if you, if you go in and, and try to pick up on that. And so God, God, you'll be sensitive to it. God will reveal it to you. For instance, if you're praying in agreement with somebody and, uh, you know, you, you, you can drag them along for a season, but after a while they need to get in faith with you. And see, you can tell if they're in faith or not. You know, some people kind of think they're patronizing you by allowing you to pray for them. You know, um, they'll waste a lot of your time and energy. Because they're kind of mocking you. Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. Things don't work out well for them. After a while, if you don't have, you know, enough smarts to disconnect, God will disconnect you. You understand what I'm saying? God, like God saying, I ain't in this. So leave this stuff alone. You know, why are you trying so hard? To drag, God don't drag people along against their will. Are you killing me? You know, he don't, and he don't cotton to mockers. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, um, it, it, the mystery comes because it's governed by invisible laws and it's ruled and it's from an invisible kingdom. So it's not perceived by the natural. I mean, at all. And, and often the natural works in opposition to the spirit of faith, the faith that's in your heart. There'll be times where you're going to be kind of like out on a limb by yourself, believing God and people thinking you're doing the wrong thing. 
but you got to do it anyway. Because if it's faith, it's right. See, the fact that it's by faith is what makes it right. Amen? And the faith of the Son of God is always right. When you mix your faith with God's word, that's when you know that you know that you know it's coming. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Amen? God gives us, he entrusts to us his faith so that we can accomplish great things, so we can live a joyful life. Accomplishers are people, they're happy people. They're joyful people. Be careful extinguishing your joy. You know, some people just won't let themselves feel good about stuff. You see them almost want to smile and then, you know, take it. You ever seen that before? And you'll encourage them or, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. And you want to go throw some cold water on them, you know. (laughs) They won't last long. In the arena of warfare or faith. Because they don't even know how to encourage themselves in the Lord. See, God is sending people from the outside of you to encourage the inside of you. And you gotta learn how to receive it. Just do. You know, I, sometimes people would say stuff like, well, I'm praying for you. And I would, really? I mean, it's, but learn some manners. You know, thank God somebody's thinking about me. You know, sometimes you just have to get like that. Amen. And no, not be so persnickety pickety and, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes they can even have a word for you. For moi, the great woman of paste and flour. You know? They don't have to be thinking about you. Amen. And then some of them are, you know, witchy with it. You know, it just a bad spirit about them. But you have to be gracious even with people with a bad spirit sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, you do. You know, I mean, the grace is there to, to not offend and not get in the strife and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, so, so the pure conscience, that's, that's, you want to live like that. Ooh, that's a good way to live. That's worth everything right there. Where you can go through your day not feeling bad about anything, even when you know you've done wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, you're forgiven. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Amen? That's better than doing everything right. <laughs> when you do right, it's just what you expected to do. You're just doing the expectations. To be, but to be wrong and be forgiven, have the slate wiped clean and God trust you, like from square one, like it never happened? Seriously, folks? Woo! I like this guy. Amen. So, so, okay, so the mystery of faith, um, Hebrews 11, I think it's 11.6, you talk about Noah. 
uh, uh, no, 11, 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things is not yet seen, He was moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned or passed judgment on the whole world. Can you imagine sitting being the only one believing something and everybody around you is getting ready to die and you know it? He condemned the world. His faith condemned the world. Had God not found somebody to believe him, the the world would have been raunchy still. But God will always find somebody who will believe him. So by faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. As long as he got up every morning and drove a nail and, and split some timber, he was righteous. Find out what it is you need to do. Huh? And he's just moving in God the whole time. Being obedient to his faith. The mystery of faith. It says here in, in Genesis 6. Um, verse 12. God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt. All the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said this to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. In other words, I'm going to kill everybody, Noah. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make you an ark of gopher wood, rooms you shall make in the ark, and pitch it within and without with pitch. Remember we said uh, before one of our definitions of reconciliation? Is to be covered with pitch. So Noah must have found favor with God some kind of way. And God's reconciled. This is God working in Christ, pre-incarnate Christ to redeem these people. Because he was slain before the foundation of the earth. So from that, God has permission to offer righteousness to certain people. Amazing. And this is the fashion which you shall make of it. The length of it shall be, you know, yada, yada, yada. And the window and give him all these details. And he says, behold, I even now do bring a flood of waters on the earth and destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But, woo, with you I will establish my covenant. I'm killing everybody but you. The condition is, you got to do what I tell you. You got to start building a boat. He says, you and your sons shall come in there and their, your wife and the son's wives too. Every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall come to the earth to keep them alive. Male and female, fowls of their kind. I think he took sevens and sevens from the pure animals. More animals there were on the ark than people. But see, Noah, because of his righteousness, was able to keep everything in order.
What did God say to Noah? He said, the fear of you and the dread of you will be on every animal. Yes, let me see where that is. Getting ahead of myself. Verse 5 and 7, it says, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Every single thing. Amen. And he was 600 years old when the flood waters were upon the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Is it 9-2? Okay, sorry about that. So this was after, after the flood. And, and it, it still held. His authority still held. In Genesis 9, you said 10, Shannon? Like I said, 9-2. Ah, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply. This is after the floods ended. They got out on dry land. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and all that moves upon the earth. How do we get to the place where we're scared of pets? Scared of, you understand what I'm saying? We don't, we don't operate in righteousness. See, God said this to Noah as a righteous man. Amen. And so that's, that's still possible to us in righteousness. There are some people that get mastery over it in unrighteousness. Huh? Siegfried and Roy. Huh? There are some people that get into that zone of curiosity about our relationship to animals. And they're able, you know, just like the dog whisperer. He said he rehabilitates people because the dogs are fine. <laughs> They just acting up because the pre people need rehab. Huh? It's true. So there are people who tap into that, that ability and that knowledge. And, and many of them are unrighteous. It is a God gift, but many of them are unrighteous people. But just shows you the, the gift of God and the mercy of God to, to make that word real. He can't deny himself. See? And so God said it, so it's got to be true on some level somewhere. More true if you operate in righteousness. Amen. Um, okay, so Noah, his faith had the ability to condemn the world. I say that to you to encourage you in using your faith. Because if one man could do that by believing God and getting up every day and, and going at the work God gave him to do, think what we can do. We can influence the whole world. There's no such thing. See, we got to get out of complaint mode and get out of the natural realm so much and get over into the supernatural of God. Holding fast and holding forth the mystery of faith with a good conscience. Amen. And say, God has told me to pray this and God has told me to do this. And I know we will be successful. Amen. Amen. I know God had uh, us pray for for um uh um to bankrupt these drug cartels. And I was sitting watching, you know, oh yeah, my bad people, you know how I watch bad people. <laughs> Trying to think which bad people show this was. 
But they were showing some, I know what it was, they were showing some U.S. Marshals. And really what they do is, is, um, um, activate warrants, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Serve warrants and also carry them out. So if they have somebody they're looking for to arrest them, they can go anywhere. They tech check in with law, local law enforcement and say, you know, I'm in your city. We're here to get so-and-so and such-and-such. Do we have your permission? Very few of them argue with them. Listen, if you're a cop and you're, and you're uh, sitting in your patrol car and you know there's a, a illegal that's murdered 16 people in your city, you say, hey, yeah, come get them. What do you need from me? Huh? I'll hold your purse. I'll hold your <laughs> whatever till you get it done. And so they, they get good cooperation. And one of the marshals, they had um, uh, found a tunnel somewhere between Mexico and the United States and they, their drugs, where the drugs were being stashed and the money was being stashed there. And when they got there, there was nobody there. The drugs had a street value of something like $30 million. And the money they confiscated was over $100,000. And they were still counting. So I looked at our prayer and it said $100,000 a day we were making the devil let go. I said, let's make it a million. They've reached 100000 already. Now they were just one operation. How many more operations do they have all across this country that are pulling in money and we have no idea how much? So I told God, I said, good, we'll increase our faith. We want $100 million a day now. So if you're going to bankrupt something, bankrupt it. Amen. And quit playing around. And so, you know, see, this is how faith operates. We don't sit around and have a, a anniversary party every year because, you know, we did some prayers. You keep working at it. Amen. If, if that goal has been met already, you set your goal higher because there's more out there. Amen. Just like with, with children who are being trafficked across. I mean, the fact that all these children can't have coming across our border now is a real stomach turner because you know those children are not coming because parents are so scared of letting them stay where they are. They've already been bought by somebody. And to think our government allows this now. It's ridiculous. You know, you, you make strides in prayer and, and finally get a government that closes the stupid border and sees what's going on and then somebody comes and opens it back up again for their pedophile friends. Grief. This is why you use your faith. Use your faith to turn these things around. And we don't quit praying. We keep praying. And ask God to reverse it again. Because he reversed it one time. He'll reverse it again. Christians have to quit 
stop being engaged in in a pet way. You know what I'm saying? Pet things. You you got to be have justice in your heart. You got to have the law of God in your heart, and that's what you go by. Amen. So so Noah understood the mystery of faith. The mystery he unraveled, the part he unraveled, was where God told him to build that ark. And he kept going until it was done. And when it was done was when the flood came. But his faith kept him going on a daily basis. As long as he used his faith, he was able to keep going. So he's working in the natural but in the unseen realm at the same time. See, as long as he can see where he's making some some headway and and accomplishing something, he can have a pure conscience in what God's told him to do. It's like, man, we we sweated today, but look what we got done. Amen. We got the floor done. We got the this done. We got the that done. Amen. And so Noah was able to hold the mystery of faith within him. See, you know, it. People on the outside, see, when you're dealing in natural faith, natural believing, you don't believe until you see it. Or in the case of the people who were getting ready to be drowned, um, in, they start feeling it. Huh? Raindrops keep falling on my head. Just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed. Nothing seems to fit. Okay? So that's when they got faith. Well, see, it's too late then. Natural faith is always too late. Whenever you're waiting to see something to believe God, you're too late. Thomas's faith was not commended by Jesus. Abraham's faith is what gets the commendation. And we all have Abraham's faith and we're all capable of believing like Abraham did. We said yesterday also faith is a spiritual weapon. You saw that with Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. They got delivered out of the fire. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. Amen. There's something about King Nebuchadnezzar that keeps God active. Think about the next time you pray for somebody wicked that's in office and you think God doesn't hear you. He's very active with that person. He was very active with Pharaoh. Every single day, Moses went back to Pharaoh with some new fangled something he was doing. Amen. And Pharaoh kept hardening himself. But after a while, he drowned in the Nile with the rest of his horsemen and chariots. You got me? So God is active in the unseen realm. That's what you got to believe about your faith and your prayers. You got to believe God is moving on these people who seem to be immovable everybody who's married ought to think about a husband or a wife when you when i say that because there's always something we want them to do and we think they're never gonna do it god doesn't hear our prayers 
I remember one time the Lord told me, I, I asked him about something about my husband, and I said, could you tell him? He said, I tell him everything you tell me to tell him. I said, oh, okay. You know, you feel like walking under the, the doorway to your, you know, your closet door. You shrink that small. But we have to have confidence in God that he's working on our behalf. It, faith will not work without confidence in God. Your faith is in God to do these things. Strong faith is fully persuaded that what God's promised, he's able to, he's able to do it on his own. And that's where we mess up sometimes because we always want to get involved in helping God or, or we want to critique that it hasn't happened yet. And sometimes it's just not the due season for it. You got to admit that sometimes. God, I'm just going to have to sit back and quit being nervous about this. And realize that you have a due season for it. And don't try to ask him what makes the season due. Cause you get in there and mess that up too. Huh? It's my due season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hasten that season. I'm gonna put some weed and feed on it, some miracle grow on my prayers. Huh? Now it's due when God says it's due. Amen. <laughs> we also said that Bible faith resides in the heart. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. And we said also that the heart has the power to subdue the mind. Your heart faith is stronger than your mental agreement about things. See, your mind can, can mentally agree with it, but there's no power there. You know, people try to bend spoons with their mind and there's so little power there. Some of them can't even memorize stuff real well. You know, you can't memorize your address without going over it 15 times and you're trying to bend a spoon. It's not going to happen. And so the mind is relatively weak compared to the mind of your spirit. Because that's the mind of Christ. That's where Christ resides. That's why the, where the anointing resides. That's where your total recall is. Is in the mind of your spirit man. And that faith, we call it heart faith or spirit man faith. It's able to subdue your doubt, your fear, your unbelief. That's how you got saved. And the same way you get saved is the same way you get everything else you need from God. By allowing the faith that's in your heart to rise up and subdue whatever your your mind is telling, your carnal mind is telling you is going on. So it's able to subdue the mind. Doubt may come, but it is arrested by heart faith. It's easily arrested by heart faith. See, if you'll let that process happen, it'll happen. Amen. You ever had a situation come up and, and, and you, you start feeling like you're sick or something, you're on the inside, something's not right. And you let that process for a minute. And then about five minutes of mental processing, 
it dissipates. You know, the panic of it. You know, you had all kind of things. Maybe I'll go to urgent care. Maybe I'll go here. And then all of a sudden, well, see, what happened is your heart faith subdued your mental doubts and fears. Just did it automatically. You ever have something come up and you you don't see how it's going to get done. You don't have the resources. You don't have the strength. You don't have, it's like a mountain. And then you just let it go. And the thought comes to you, we'll get it done. I can do everything. God is going to help me. He'll tell me. I'm just going to let God have this. And then I'll have my answer. You get that peace and you get that reassurance. Well, see, your heart faith has subdued your mental panic, your mental, I don't know what to do, your mental, this isn't going to work out, your mental, whatever it is that came to you mentally, even though it wrestled for a little bit, your heart faith subdued it. Because, see, you got enough experience with God now to know that that bill will get paid. Amen? That That your child will get another job. They're not going to be set out on the street. You understand what I'm saying? All that kind of stuff. Their lifestyle will be maintained. Amen? Because your heart faith tells you that. Now, if you didn't have heart faith, if you didn't have faith in God, you'd be out there trying to bring somebody's number to get a loan or something like that or tell them to come over and help you or anything like that. But heart faith will subdue mental fears, mental, you know, it's strong like that. If you let that process happen, and you finally hold on to that faith, amen, with a pure conscience, you'll know that God's going to send you help to do something. It's going to, he's going to take care of that. I was looking at, uh, you know, uh, the fact that, I mean, I, 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 this, this word I hid in my heart many years ago. This is when my, my husband was alive for some reason. I was aware that God had a special relationship with widows and orphans. Like he goes beyond to help them. And so when my husband died, the faith was already working, but I still was a wreck a lot of times. You're just nervous. You know, this was new. All of the above. But recently I've been quick. It's been quickened to me in a, a greater fashion, a greater way. Um, the fact that I, this house that I have, I bought it because God told me to buy it. So that assurance that it was the right thing to do. See, you mess yourself up by going back and digging up your old faith and examining it and saying it was wrong or something was wrong with it. See, that that never does you any good. So you have to hold on to, okay, This was God. He did tell me to do this. So, you know, it's not like I made a mistake. If you had, you can get forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? So, so it's, it's, there's no condemnation here. Don't let the devil condemn you about things like that. But as I was looking at it, it all of a sudden got very big to me. I mean, bigger than it's been, if you know what I mean. So when you're there by yourself and there's work to be done and I've got to move, I want to move, throwing money away, trying to keep this big thing going, it's too big for me, that decision's been made. But there were some things that are there on the property that are projects 
that could, you know, get deep pocket projects if I'm not careful. The barn was one of them, um, you know, and I just told the Lord, I said, well, what am I going to do? And, and so I was talking to, to Howard about it and he said, ah, uh, between me and the boys, I think we can get this done. I said, cool. Off the list. I did not argue. Well, Daniel was the only one that was free to come over. He did like three quarters of that barn by himself in two days. I thought, oh, we have tapped into the supernatural of something, you know. So I felt a little bad. I said, oh, Daniel, I got to get you some dinner. Hold on, you know. I'll take you. Take it in a flip. I know you got to get out of here. I had fish sticks, shrimp, and french fries in my freezer. And he said, oh, I got fish and chips. I said, I got fish and chips. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Fish and chips. And shrimp. And scrimps. You know, so, so this is working, God. This is working. And then I had an area in my front yard that was just a hot mess from day one. I I had wanted to have a little island out there. I said, oh, I'll put a nice tree out there and, you know, have some river rocks and a wall. Well, it was like Jericho, that wall was, because it just never stayed up. So now that I got to move, we got to finally do something. Everything I planted out there died. And I kept asking Cece, I said, did you put something on the, you know, chemical, you, when you live with chemical Ali, if something dies suddenly, you go to the undertaker. I said, Tony, did you, ah, we just put some good fertilizer out there. I said, oh, there it is. Well, nothing ever lived out there from, from that point on. Um, and so this has to be dug up. I got rocks. I got tarp. I got everything out there. So the last, last at the end of last, um, fall, some workmen were working on a pipe that went from my property across to another property on the other side of the street. And it took them two days and it was cold and it was wet and it was muddy. And the poor guy that did the work was so apologetic and he, he said, ma'am, you've just been so nice about this. I said, well, we're not going to fall out about some dirt out there. You know, I said, I'm, I'm fine. He said, well, what I'd like to do is wait until spring and we'll, we'll fix your lawn back. And so he said, just give me a call when spring comes and we'll fix your lawn back. When he said back, I'm thinking chemical Ali done been out there and the, Everything dies out there. What is what is back? So anyway, I finally called him last week, and he said, "He said, oh yeah." He said, "You know what?" He said, "I'm just the worst person with records. I lost your address." He said, "I'm so glad you called me." I said, "Yeah, me too." And he said, "Now what? What are we to do?" He said, um, "He said we. He said, what do you want done?" And I thought, seriously. And, and he said, he said, I saw some rocks out there. He said, we can have more rocks put out there. I said, no, you know what I was really thinking about doing? <laughs> I said, I was really thinking about taking the rocks up. I said, I just, I said, I'm going to sell the property. I said, I just want flat grass. I said, I don't know. Can you cover the rocks over? What can you do? He said, no. Nah. He said, I'll tell the guys to bring a backhoe. We'll dig all that up and we'll flatten it out for you. 
He said, we'll plant grass and put straw over it. He said, you'll have grass growing all across the front of your lawn. I said, praise God. And I thought to myself, I said, Lord, it's better than it ever was before. I said, you not only fix things, you renew, you restore, you get it better than it was before. At no cost to me. They're not going to charge me a thing. He said, I'm just so thankful you were so patient with us. And I said, well, praise God. I said, well, I try to be. I works on it. So anyway, <laughs> but anyway, but it's it's working out. See, it's working out. He'll do that for any of his children. You understand? Whatever you need. Don't think it's beyond God's ability to do for you or it's too it's too big of a project and, and you you got to do something to make it happen. You don't have to do anything but trust God. God will send the right people. He'll always send the right people to do everything that needs to be done. You know, my kitchen is being renovated now. Where it, it, I was I had a problem floor. The floor was 20 years old and it was separating. So you're not going to bring good buyers in and lure them into a separated floor. That's that's the way I felt. I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to get it fixed. But God fixed, he's fixed it for me much better than before. So it, it's just that God wants us, he wants us to believe him, folks. This is the mystery of faith. It works in the unseen realm. Now, see, I can run around and try to find people and call everybody and harass people and fall out with people. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, Just to get things done. But I decided I wasn't going to do that. I was going to be a peaceful person. Amen? With everything. And so it's a struggle sometimes to maintain your peace. But you know in the end that that's going to be the best way. Just take your hands off of it. Believe God. Thank Him for it. And watch him do what he does best. And that is bless us. Amen. So so your heart can subdue your crazy mind from trying to ruin everything that God has for you. Because your mind will make a mess of things. You'll get fearful. You'll get doubtful. You'll start moving out ahead of God. Or you won't recognize God when he tells you to move and you'll resist him. And you won't be in time with God. So you're, you, you have to understand what you're capable of, what your spirit man really is capable of. Amen. Uh, doubt may come, but you've got to arrest, let your faith arrest it. And your faith may tell you things that are kind of strange to you or foreign or sounds too good to be true. You got to learn to not argue with that voice. You've got to let that stand. Because that's coming from your heart. Amen. It may sound too good to be true sometimes, but let it stand because it's coming from your heart. Amen. Your your mind will change many times, but your heart is stabilized by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's like your pacemaker. Amen. He he has so many beats per minute, you know, and it and regulates you and he keeps you peaceful and on an even keel. So your mind will tell you a lot of different things. Amen. When challenges come, you've got to have a heart response, not a head response. Amen. Faith is the holy force 
that subdues the unholy world. And you got to see, even though some things in the world might seem okay, they're unholy. So God always has something better than what the world has to offer. Amen? We have the same spirit of faith that causes us to speak what we believe. So the first way that your faith is engaged is through your speaking. Amen? That's how you got saved. You had to confess with your mouth what you believed in your heart. You had to hear the gospel and be convinced that Jesus really did die for the sins of the world, and he is alive now. He rose from the dead. That's how you can rise with him. Amen? You can't believe in a Jesus that's either still on the cross or still in the grave. You got to believe he's raised from the dead. You got to believe everything the Bible says about him. Amen? So that same spirit of faith is we believe and therefore we speak. The full power of faith is really manifested through the tongue. That's when you get the full power of it. You ever feel like you want to say something and you stifle it because you hear it in your head and it sounds too good to be true? You know what I'm saying? There are some things that, that God will tell you he wants to do or he's going to do, and they may even be things that you thought about you want, but you're scared to say them. You're reluctant to say them. There's there's this natural realm out here that when faith speaks out there into it, there's a conflict that automatically comes and sometimes your heart knows it's coming and you don't want to be involved in it. You don't want to be involved in having it challenged. You just want to be able to say it with no challenge to it and with nothing opposing it. That's never going to happen. There will always be a challenge to the faith that's in your heart. It's always going to be met with some kind, like Brother Oral Roberts we were speaking of when we started. Every time that man opened his mouth, somebody had something negative to say about him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. When he had that conversation with God and God told him to raise the money and get the projects done or he's going to take him home. Well, when he said that, people really flipped out. They hated him before. They really hated him then. Amen. Oh, God wouldn't kill you over money. Well, it's not really over money, folks, when you think about it. It's about getting some things done that take money to get done. Good thing about Oral Roberts, he was never shy about asking people to help with what God wanted him to do. Because he knew they were the source of what God was doing, and they would be the beneficiaries of it too. Look at all that has been accomplished, was accomplished with his ministry. When he wasn't having active healing crusades, look at all that was done with his healing crusades. Then he went and built a whole part of Tulsa. The part that he built put everybody else to shame. You know, Brother Hagen built a nice Bible school, but it don't compare to ORU. Everybody else kind of rode on his coattails, to be honest with you. 
But there's always going to be this almost, almost embarrassment to confess what, what's in your heart that God wants you to have. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like you know it's going to meet some opposition. <laughs> you want to keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Don't let me say that, Lord. Don't let me have to say that. Even if you're not saying it to anybody. You're saying it to a hostile atmosphere. In that atmosphere, the first thing the atmosphere wants to do is shame you into not saying it. Shame you out of your confession. Like when you say you're healed and you're limping, or you're healed and you're on oxygen, or you're healed and you've got something else to support your life. You, you, you want to not say it. Because there's something, there's an echo there somewhere that tells you that ain't true. Why would you say that? Huh? You're lying to yourself. That's make believe. You're not healed. What about so and so and such and such? And so we have to let faith, we have to realize that once you get it, you believe, you've got to speak what you believe. You can't not speak what you believe. Because that's how it's going to come to pass. That full force of it is going to come to pass based on what we say. The saying is very important, folks. And and you've got to say it all the time. You can't say it in your prayer closet and say something different when you get out around people. Or see saying it when you're around people. I hear people say things like, well, I went to the doctor and they told me what my test said and they said, well, doctor, I appreciate what you're saying and all that kind of stuff. You don't have to say nothing to him. You don't have to tell him that you believe in God for a miracle. Why put yourself through unnecessary grief? But you got to say it within yourself. You got to say it to yourself and you got to speak it so that it will stay out there and not be challenged. Why give that man a hard time? Or make him look like an idiot. Or try to. You know, you went to him for his opinion. Take his opinion. Go home. And say, Father, I believe I'm healed. Therefore, I speak. By your stripes, I am healed. Amen. And we're going to work on this. Whatever this thing is right there, it's not my responsibility. That's yours. See, I can't take care of the symptoms anyway. You're going to have to take care of those for me, God. But I believe and therefore I speak. Amen. So you have to engage your tongue in a way to benefit your life. Keep speaking what you know the word says. There may be some days you speak it and you feel good about it. And you feel like, wow, this is really doing something out here. Then there are going to be days when you speak it and it seems like it's bouncing back, hitting you in the head, bouncing off of this. or Or it sounds hollow. You're going to have to keep saying it anyway because you do do believe it in your heart. Amen. So you're going to have to let your heart start speaking up for you. You need to understand that you can do all things through your faith, through Christ who strengthens you with the power of faith. Amen. We cannot pray one way and speak another way. Amen. You've got to pray the same way you speak. Amen. And I'm talking about from different kingdoms. You can't confess weakness and loneliness and sickness and then keep saying you're healed. You, you, you know, your, your carnal mind will get 
engaged into momentary feelings. But your spirit is engaged in God's kingdom all the time. So you got to speak from the kingdom all the time. Amen. I know you might feel discouraged. You might feel this. This might hit you that. But don't speak it. But it's the truth. No, it's not the truth. It's a lie. So you got to make up your mind where you're going with this stuff. You know, many times we stop to smell the roses of unbelief and call it normal. It ain't normal for where you want to be going. So skip that part. I know it may be tempting, but skip it. Amen? Just skip it. (laughs) So if you believe you must say it, then you'll see it. So it's in that order. You hide that word in your heart. You meditate on that word till you believe it. You believe it more once you, if you start saying it immediately when you read it and see it, then you'll see it. Just be consistent saying it. When you inject faith into the prophetic word, you will get the results of that word. And when I say prophetic, I mean the word rhema word that comes into your heart when you read it or a prophecy. Amen. Paul was in a ship that was about to go down. Amen. In Acts chapter 27. Now he could have, I mean, he was saved. So you know what I'm saying? And he got beat everywhere he want, went. You know, you might want to say, well, this is his final act. Nobody would blame him if he went down with the ship. But They had been so many days without food, he was fasting, and he decided he would pray. Acts 27 and verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me and not have gotten us in this mess. And to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. After he beat him up a couple of times. That's always fair. He says, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. But the ship's going to be lost. For there stood by me this night an angel of God. Whose I am, who I serve, whom I serve. Saying, fear not, Paul. For you've got to go before Caesar. It's the only way these men got saved. Paul had an appointment in Rome. You should should make some appointments somewhere God wants you to be. Always keep your date book with God filled up. You'll get there. You'll live. Just always have something you in the works of doing for God. Don't be the person that refuses to do everything. Be the the person to volunteer for everything. As long as you're engaged in something on earth that God wants you to do, you'll stay here. Huh? That's a good way to have long life and length of days. God, I'm expecting tomorrow morning when I get up, you got something on my agenda. You got somebody for me to pray for? You got something for me to do? Paul says, I got to go to Rome. I got to get in front of Caesar. I have an appointment. And he says, and, and lo, God's given you all them that, that shall sail that sail with you. So you get a bonus, Paul. Not only do you go, but God's no respecter of persons. 
Yeah, Paul's got the appointment, but other people get to go along for the ride. You think God's going to really go through the trouble of letting all those men drown and only save Paul? Paul actually prayed for them to be saved. You got me? So that's a good way to ensure that they'll be around too. Amen. He says, I've given you all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as he told me. So here he says, I believe God. I'm injecting my faith into the prophetic word that God gave me. Now, he could have listened to that angel and said, oh, well, I must be daydreaming. I've been without food for so long, I'm hallucinating. Huh? No, he chose to believe God. When you're desperate and out on a ship, and you you better believe God. Be believing him for everything you can believe him for. This is no time to get, you know, religious or picky. He's an, an angel stands there, and he tells Paul this prophecy. And Paul says, I'm putting my faith in this. He said, I believe God, guys, that it's going to be just like he told me. And he tells them what's going to happen. He gets all these details from God about going to this island and all that kind of stuff. He gets onto the island and the devil's still messing with him. Pulls a snake up to bite him. Paul does what? Why'd he shake it off? He got an appointment. The appointment has not been canceled. Because a snake bite. When he said, I believe God, he meant that. And to be honest with you, when you see part of it come to pass, you know the rest is coming. God doesn't do anything halfway. So here Paul's, Paul said, I believe God. He injects his faith into the prophetic word. Abraham did the same thing. God said, you know, uh, I'm calling those things that be not as though they are, Abraham. I I advise you to get on board with me. Amen. So Abraham had a new way, had to learn a new way of thinking and speaking. He said, I have made you this. So Abraham had to believe just like that, that he was a made man. Amen. God had made him. Amen. You need to expect to see the word fulfilled expectation does everything you can expect you can't you don't have to be doubtful in the doldrums and trying to act like i just don't believe everything come to my ears now this ain't everything come to your ears this is god's word you think you're being somebody great by passing up on a promise of god come on now You have to jealously guard your expectation. Don't let people talk you out of it. The expectation of the righteous will not be cut off, according to Proverbs 24, 14. The expectation of the righteous will not be cut off. Amen. Fill your heart with expectation. Talk to yourself. Encourage yourself. Sing about it. Make up a song about what God's going to do for you. Keep expecting what God has. 
Thank you, Father, that I'm healed. Talk to your pills. Prophesy to the pills and say, pretty soon I won't be taking you no more. You're going to be history, brother. Amen? I'm not in love with you. You might as well divorce me because we ain't going down this road much further. Amen? Because as soon as God manifests the whole thing, you history. Amen? Rebuke doubt and make it move. Your faith will will challenge doubt and cause unbelief to flee. Amen? Your faith will always challenge doubt. Let it challenge doubt. Don't let doubt have the last word, folks. Always, like I say, at the end of the day, I don't care if you were a naughty girl or boy and doubted all day long. At the end of the day, you say, God, please forgive me. I should have changed my mind early in the day. I would have had a happier day, but I'm expecting you to do this. I'm hanging on to your word. Amen. And make up your mind to doubt no more. Faith feels better than doubt anyway. It just feels better to be in. Don't you feel light and lighthearted and energetic and free and all of that? Righteousness always makes a cheerful countenance. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for the ability to have faith, for the spirit of faith that resides in our hearts. Father, the faith that does everything, it moves mountains. It causes us to... uh be righteous it causes us to believe you for miraculous things father not just everyday things there's nothing wrong with believing you for the everyday but our faith also can believe you for the extraordinary and father there are some extraordinary things we need to believe you for we know that and so father we thank you for the faith that moves mountains the faith that passes belief sometimes the faith that is able to cause us to rise up in triumph in all things. So we honor you and we love you.